What's going on, y'all? Welcome into a new episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the flagship podcast for LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, coming to you with a new reaction episode after Ohio State's 42 to nothing win over Cincinnati. Game ended about an hour and a half ago. I wanted to wait just a little bit to see what happened in the end of the Army-Michigan game so we could talk about it, but I don't want to talk about it anymore. Other than, hey, Michigan looks like they're going to lose to Wisconsin here in a couple weeks. But we will get to all of that later because we've got a lot to talk about after Ohio State shutout win over the Bearcats. I'm going to get to some of your questions and comments here in a little bit. Before I do that or talk about the game, I want to remind you that we want you to be a part of these reaction shows after each Ohio State game. And the best way that you can do that is to send us a tweet. I am at Dubsco. The show is at Holy Land Pod, and the site is at LandGrant33. Send a tweet to any of those. We'll talk about what you guys have to say, your questions, your remarks, whatever it may be. We'll talk about it on the show. I want to do my best to make sure that you guys are involved. We got a couple today, so we'll talk about those here in a little bit. But with that out of the way, let's just talk about what happened out there on Ohio State's 42 to nothing shutout win over Cincinnati. I don't think anyone on the Ohio State internet has been as critical of what they've done on or off the field as this podcast in recent years, probably the last two or three seasons. I got to tell you guys, I got absolutely nothing to complain about today. That was an extremely enjoyable win from literally all aspects of the game. Offense, defense, special teams, Ohio State balled out today against what I think is a very strong Cincinnati team. That was a group coming into this game that had 11 wins last year, had beaten UCLA last year, started this season off by beating UCLA again. So they're, they're not afraid of any Power 5 team. They got a former Buckeye at the helm and, and Luke Fickle, which was the big story coming in. And I think all of us were a little bit nervous in different ways about how Ohio State would match up with them, especially when it came to the offense versus the defense, and after what we saw against Florida Atlantic, where the offense was so on at the start of the game, and then in the second and third quarters, just couldn't seem to get anything going. From the jump, the offense was spectacular. The way that they were able to move the ball against this defense is something that I'm pretty surprised about. They averaged almost seven yards per play, which if you want some context for that, Cincinnati's defense gave up six and a half to UCF last year, pretty damn good UCF offense. And that was by far their season low, or I guess their season high, however you want to frame that. But Ohio State averaged almost seven. I think it would probably be over seven if you just accounted for the starters and not the backups. And they were able to do it in so many different ways. The run game was working. Justin Fields throwing the ball was working and we're going to get in depth about that here next. Just overall, an extremely encouraging and awesome performance really from the offense after they had been so up and down last week against Florida Atlantic. They were very consistent this week. They didn't put themselves in disadvantageous, disadvantageous, is that even a word? I don't know. But they put themselves in advantageous positions to get yardage. And when they didn't, fields in the passing game were able to make up for it. So I think this offense isn't like we are not even maybe 60%. I think of what we're going to see this offense at 
at its peak. They're still learning. There are still concepts that are going to be not put into the offense, but that we just haven't seen yet. And they're still not running Justin Fields, which is important to remember. That was one thing I really liked. They're, they're keeping him on a pitch count right now, and it is going to be nice to see when they fully unleash Justin Fields and what that looks like in the run game. But just overall, player standpoint, execution, coaching-wise, I really love what I see from the offense right now. They were clicking on every single facet today. That starts with Fields, and that's, I think, the best place to start when when we really want to break down into the nitty-gritty of this game is Justin Fields and what he did today and what we can take away from it because this is a pretty good Cincinnati defense. I think they were second last year in Bill Connolly's marginal passing efficiency numbers. I don't know what they were uh, running-wise, but last year they were they were a top 30 defense around there. So pretty good defense, especially for a group of five team. But when it comes to fields, if you just look at the numbers without context, he was 20 of 25, 224 yards, averaged over about nine yards per attempt, two touchdowns, no interceptions, also ran nine times for 42 yards and two touchdowns. The athleticism is great. The arm is phenomenal. There were a couple of throws he made to the opposite hash. Not a lot of quarterbacks in college make the throws to the opposite hash with the velocity that Justin Fields was making today. All of that's great, and it looks really cool. It looks great on YouTube and on film. I love it, and Justin Fields is going to be something really special. What I like even more, though, is for his second start, for him to be so patient and calm in the offense and in the throwing game and just being able to know when a play is dead and not do too much with it, that's a really underrated skill. And Fields is going to get complimented a lot as these games go by and if he continues to play the way he is about his athleticism, about what he's able to do with his arm, how hard and how far he's able to throw the ball. His best strength right now might just be how smart he is. I mean, that's not something that I think a lot of people talked about when we were you know, talking about him coming into the lead up of the season. It was about the athleticism and the physical traits, but the mental traits for Justin Fields right now really stand out to me. And that was something that Ryan Day talked about after the FAU game was his favorite play from that was Fields just throwing the ball away when it wasn't there on, I think it was one of the third down plays. And that may sound like coach speak, but when you really watch him play, you can see why. And when you have a quarterback who's already that smart and that young at the same time, you can see where this is going. The sky is really the limit with Justin Fields. This was a breakout performance. And like I said, this is only his second start. There are things that you can just tell naturally that he has to clean up. I think that the offensive line is giving him a lot of time to throw and he's got a lot of time to process and he's probably not making some decisions as quick as you would like, but that's also probably a byproduct of him being a young quarterback. So if him being a slow decision maker right now, the trade-off for that is at least he's being able to make those decisions because the offensive line is blocking for him. I'll take that any day of the week. That's something that he's going to improve on. And I think that's that's a game-to-game thing. I don't even think that that's a year-to-year thing. I think that the Justin Fields we see in mid-October is going to be better than the one that we are seeing right now. And that's a really scary thought and uh, sight for 
all sorts of defenses around the country and in the Big Ten. There's some pretty good ones, and there's going to be more resistance to fields and what Ohio State does on offense than what we've seen in the first couple of weeks. But don't get the score twisted or the opponent twisted. Cincinnati has a very good defense, and for Ohio State to average about seven yards per play on them is something that I think you can file away as, damn, this is what this offense is already doing week two of the season. It's going to be a special offense by the end of the year. A big reason to do with that, along with Justin Fields and his development, is the run game. That's really what I wanted to see in this game. They were a little bit hit or miss, especially J.K. Dobbins against Florida Atlantic. And what do you know? J.K. Dobbins has his first really big game in a long time by going for 141 yards on 17 carries, two touchdowns, has the 60-yard touchdown. It's easy to just focus on him, but we got to talk about the offensive line, and I'm going to do that here in a second. But just to start off with Dobbins, even when you take off the the 60-yard touchdown and that lops him off under 100 yards, just from a run-by-run basis, he looked much more like the player we saw in 2017 when he was a freshman than what we saw last year. There wasn't a lot of dancing around today. There was see the hole, hit it, make somebody miss, be elusive, get to the second level, and do your thing. That's the J.K. Dobbins that's one of the best running backs in the country. That's the guy we saw as a freshman. And for the first time in a long time, that's the guy we saw today. That was very positive. He had another run, I think, early in the game, maybe the second or third drive. That was about a 20-yarder where he was able to get to the outside. That's huge. I think without knowing anything about what happened with him last year and why he was such a different running back, today he just looked like he had a lot more confidence. Maybe that's me reading too much into it, but he ran very confidently today. He was getting some great blocking, but... He just he ran well, and that's that's great to see. If this offense is going to be balanced and one of the best in the country, J.K. Dobbins is going to be a big part of that. And today was the ideal, and they were able to beat Cincinnati up enough that Master T got 11 carries too. That's something I really wanted to see. He has not made me think twice about him being locked in to that second running back spot. 11 carries, 60 yards, along of... 13, five and a half yard average. Master Teague just always moves forward. He is not going backwards. He is not going side to side. He is going to see a hole, hit it, maybe make one shake, try to get to the second level. I love the way that Master Teague runs and the coaches probably do too. I hope that that was enough for him to solidify this spot as the second running back and they can figure out how to sprinkle Demario McCall in there, maybe get him on the field at the same time, but I love the way Master Teague runs. I think that he has, after a spring injury, he's been in full force the last two weeks. I hope that that was enough to lock it down for him. Uh, offensive line, I can't really break down the, the schemes and whatnot and the real minutia of it, especially not watching a replay. I'm going to have to watch this game again, but that was refreshing from the offensive line. The coaches liked what they saw from them against Florida Atlantic, and for the most part, I thought they played pretty well last week. But today felt like their best game in a while. They were able to push Cincinnati's front back in the run game. They protected Justin Fields for most of the day. I think not all, but most of the pressure that he received was good coverage by Cincinnati's defensive backs 
or Justin Fields just being a little slower on the decision-making and not getting rid of the ball. But overall, the offensive line gave him time to throw. They did last week too. So two games down, and we haven't talked about the offensive line as a negative. And that was an area that might have been the biggest question mark on the team. And so far, they've been pretty damn good. I I like what I've seen from the offensive line so far. In the red zone, they've been pretty solid. They've put fields under center, which is interesting. And they've been able to utilize play action or just straight ahead runs, which I've really liked. So I think that the offensive line is a unit that I thought heading into week three, even if they played well, or even if the team played well, that the offensive line would be a group where we were still like, ugh, I don't know. They they haven't looked very good, but no, they've they've looked legitimately good. It'll time will tell when they play a team like Michigan State or like Penn State with a little bit more depth than Cincinnati has, but that they were able to do that to a Cincinnati defensive front and two defensive minds like Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman. You love to see that. So shout out to the offensive line. They played their asses off. Moving to the defense, I have nothing but more praise. It looks night and day right now, guys. I mean, I don't I don't know any other better way to say it. Cincinnati averaged 4.7 yards per play. I'd be interested to see what that looked like in non-garbage time. They had a couple of big plays down the middle of the field, and, and that's stuff that they probably still need to, to clean up in the middle of the defense with the linebackers in between them and the safeties. But overall, standout performances everywhere. Chase Young looks like the best player in college football through the first two weeks of the season, had half of a sack, a couple of more pressures, had the block kick. He's absolutely everywhere. One and a half, one and a half sacks, not even a half sack. He had one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for loss, two solo tackles, the blocked kick, countless other pressures, countless other running plays that he was able to help blow up. Tyreek Smith had a nasty-looking sack where he came off the edge and just clocked Desmond Ritter in the pocket. That pass rush with those two guys and Tyler Friday sprinkled in, Zach Harrison sprinkled in here and there a little bit, and everybody else they have on the edge – we might get to a point this season where we think like, damn, this pass rush is as good or better. I think better. I'm not even going to say as good. They're better than what they were last year. And they may be reaching the level that we saw with Sam Hubbard, Tyquan Lewis, a young Nick Bosa, and all the other guys they had, Draymond Jones on the inside. This pass rush is scary. This is one of the best in the country. This is what I wanted to see from them last year, and it didn't quite materialize. Through two weeks of the season, they're able to rush four and just dominate offensive lines. We'll see if it happens against better teams, but when you're able to do that type of damage with just bringing four guys and you have two from the outside that are going to pinch the pocket, Chase Young looks nearly unblockable by himself, so you got to usually bring another guy, whether it's a tight end, H-back, running back, whatever, to help chip him. And then you have Tyreek Smith, who may be free, not a a lot of tackles in the country are going to be able to do much with that. So watching those guys is just a treat. Enjoy Chase Young while you can. He's he's only going to be here for the rest of the season, and then he's off to be a top three pick probably. He looks awesome. He looks healthy and looks like he's the best player in college football right now. 
just from an overall standpoint of the defense too, not just the defensive line, this is the first time that they look aggressive on defense since 2016. You can really feel it when you watch them. They're lighting dudes up. They're around the football. They're making plays. We saw Sean Wade be in position and out of position a couple times today, but still make plays on the plays he was out of position on, if that makes any sort of sense. He was just by the ball and was able to stick his arm out or be around the play. Chase Young almost had an interception that Wade absolutely lit a dude up on, lit a receiver going up on across the middle, and Chase Young had it in his hands, may have scored a touchdown. But those are the type of plays they didn't make last season. They weren't around the ball. That tough Borland interception, that doesn't happen last season. When you fly and you play aggressive and you hit receivers when they get the ball and you're getting after the quarterback, that's when turnover opportunities happen. And that's where I think that this defense through the first two weeks of the season and for the rest of the season is going to be so much better is that they're just playing aggressive. They're playing loose. It looks like they know what they're doing. They don't got to think about it. They're not worried that they might be out of position. When they are out of position, it's just like, all right, let's just fly to the ball and see what happens. Everybody is doing that from the defensive line, the linebackers to the secondary. And you can tell they're on guys. And if Cincinnati completed a pass, it usually was right over the top of somebody who had their arm in there anyway. Not a lot was easy for Cincinnati through the air. And that was something that we didn't see a lot of the last couple of seasons, but we're starting to see that so early on in the defense and they're only going to get better. That goes for the linebackers too. For the most part, this was probably the best day that the linebacker group has had in a while. And the best place to start there is with Malik Harrison He had a great game against Florida Atlantic. I think he stacked another great game up with this one. Had five total tackles, a half sack, two and a half tackles for loss. He really is the poster child of the defense right now of a guy that knows exactly what he's doing and where he's going, and he's going there real fast. And he's going there to knock someone's lights out. Malik Harrison is laying some lumber so far this season, and his improvement has been very noticeable. Uh, I thought Pete Werner had a pretty good game, five tackles, not a lot of big mistakes from him. Tough Borland had the interception. He wasn't on the field a ton, or at least as much as we're expecting from him or that we've seen usually, because Baron Browning got a lot of that time at middle linebacker. I would tell you guys what I thought of the way he played, but I didn't really keep a close eye on him other than seeing him in on on a few tackles and seeing people talk about it. But that was something that was pretty interesting. He also had five tackles in the game, four solo. And that's something to monitor going forward because this may have been officially the time where the Baron Browning era at that middle linebacker position starts. Also, it's just got to be great for those guys to shut a team out. They've heard everybody from the fan base to national media or whoever talk about their struggles the last few years, talk about the Purdue game, wonder where they were going to be any better with a lot of the same personnel and through the first two weeks of the season I think that the starting group has more than answered the bell they couldn't have had a better start to the year than what they have had in the first two weeks of it we'll see what happens and that's I'm saying that a lot for this but despite how good I think Cincinnati is as a group of five team Ohio State's defense is going to get tested later on in the season by better offenses that have more depth 
and more talent than this one. But when you put on a performance like this and like they did for most of three quarters against Florida Atlantic last week, that's a lot better than what we saw last year. That's important to note. They were giving up big gains to Oregon State, to Tulane. They were getting shredded by Indiana, by an up-and-down Nebraska offense. So as of right now, this is a great place to start for this defense. They're only going to improve. The depth is getting more and more. You're going to see more guys rotated in, I think, next week as well. So I, I love where this defense is at. I can't say enough good things about what Greg Madison and Jeff Halfley have done, especially Halfley in that secondary. And then, of course, Larry Johnson just continues to crank out the defensive linemen. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some stuff about the defense, but I'm going to try to get this podcast out pretty quick. So if I'm missing anything, please tweet at me. Um, but overall, great, great game from the defense. Other things that I really liked were Benjamin Victor. He only had three catches, I think, but three, five catches, five catches for 69 yards, a long of 20. He looks the most consistent he's ever looked at Ohio State. This is his last year. This is his make or break year. He came in with such high expectations, and we've seen it in spots. We saw the Penn State play last year, which changed the tide of that game, and here and there in big spots, but it's never really been consistent. Big picture, five catches for 69 yards isn't anything eye-popping, but in the college game, in this offense, you just need somebody who can consistently give you yards. And through the first two weeks of the season, that's been Benjamin Victor. I love what he's put out so far in the first two games. He's been a very reliable target for fields. Chris Olave keeps playing well. Two catches, 60 yards. He's still the best route runner on the team. Garrett Wilson finally on the stat sheet. And wouldn't you know, his first catch, a touchdown, contested grab, in the end zone, Garrett Wilson is going to be something really special if he's already making plays like that. I'd like to see him on the field a little bit more. I think as the season goes on, we will. Maybe it's a, a trust thing with the coaches, but good to see him getting sprinkled in with the starters. Hopefully we'll see that rotation open up a little bit more for him at the beginning of games, and he can just start to build his confidence up like that. But awesome catch. That's a hell of a way to start your career. Garrett Wilson's going to be something fun. Uh, last thing on the offense before I get to questions, I'm really digging this under center look that they're giving to teams, especially inside of the red zone. They did it last week and it worked on a couple of the touchdowns and they did it this week as well. They didn't do it on the fourth and one call where um, Fields ran the Urban Meyer special, the JT Barrett special. You could see that coming from a mile away. It didn't work. I felt like they could have just lined up under center and either just run a quarterback sneak or handed the ball off. That's something that I'm sure Ryan Day would do differently. But I hope that's a look we see get sprinkled in a little bit more because they can do some fun things off that, whether it's just running the ball straight up the middle or running bootlegs. Fields seems to really like rolling out to his right, and he's good at it too. So I think we're going to see more of that as the season goes on, but I like it. All right, getting to questions and comments before I get out of here. Uh, Patrick Mayhorn, I, you guys may know him. I don't know him, but you guys might know who Patrick Mayhorn is. He says, Sean Wade good. Patrick, I, I completely agree. You sound like somebody that is correct and would be fun to host a podcast with. But yes, sir, you are 100% right. Sean Wade, very good. 
The next one is from Cavs Buckeyes, and he says, My comment is that they look like a playoff team. Justin Fields looks much more polished than anticipated. I don't know about the first one. I think we have still got some time to see. I want to see what they look like in Big Ten play, but it looks much more like a playoff team than what we saw the last two years. I will say that much for sure. This looks like a team that is balanced on both sides of the ball and isn't just relying on one side to carry the weight for them. Completely agree with the second point about Fields. We knew he was going to be pretty special and talented, but the polish that comes along with that is impressive. I don't know how much we want to throw that on Ryan Day. I'm sure it's a lot based off of what we've seen um, with his work with quarterbacks, with JT Barrett, with Dwayne Haskins. But I also don't want to go overboard and just giving that to him because Justin Fields has to go out there and play. And he's been pretty damn good these first two weeks and made a lot of smart decisions. So let's just give the credit to both of them. I think this this partnership has gotten off to a pretty good start. I can't wait to see what it looks like for the rest of the season. But yeah, you're right. He looks much more polished than I think we all anticipated. Josh says, Chase Young, good. 100%. Dobbins, slightly more decisive. Yep. Borland, hands good. Feet slow. Yep. Fields, less stats, but played better and smarter. Yep. I, I think that that's, that's the best way to look at it. And maybe that's the ideal for the whole season. They might not put up Oklahoma-type numbers with Justin Fields. There may not be a lot of those 350-yard passing games, six total touchdown games for Justin Fields. But if he plays like this every week, they're going to win games. That's the only thing that matters. Josh also says, Garrett Wilson, the future. Yep, I would agree with that. D. Brown says, why isn't there a QB sneak play under center, especially when it's less than a yard? It's too easy to convert. You won't hear any argument from me. That seemed like it was the most obvious thing to do there. And now that they've actually established going under center as a thing, you have those reps, you don't have that thing to fall back on where broadcasters say, well, why they don't do it is they don't work a lot under center. Now they do. And maybe that's something they will do going forward. Hopefully that's something we see in the next couple of weeks is if there's another third and short or fourth and short, we just see him stack behind that offensive line. Just bruise people around, man. Go get a half a yard. If, if you can't get a half yard behind this offensive line, then you know, what are you doing anyway? Finally, James says, so happy with how the team played. Fields is so good, not just physically, but he makes almost all the right plays for being two starts in. He's impressed me tremendously. That's really the theme for this whole thing, not not just on Fields, because I think we're all on the same page, but the team as a whole just played really, really well. And I can't go back through the last like 20 or 30 games and define this as, as fact because it's just opinion. But for me, this is not the most satisfied I felt after an Ohio State win in a while because there have been some pretty damn good wins. But this is the the best I felt in a way because this is a team that, not that it doesn't have any flaws because it does, but it looks like a team that when they have flaws, they correct them, they put their players in position to succeed, and they're just balanced on both sides of the ball. And that's really all we've wanted to see for the past two years and it doesn't feel like we've seen games like this against lesser talented teams where Ohio State has just come out and they've not only out-talented the other team, but they've out-schemed them, they've out-coached them, they've out-played them, out-executed them, however you want to say it. 
in every single facet. And when you go out of that game, you say, oh, yeah, that's right. Ohio State has some of the best players and coaches in the country. That's what they should do. That's what today's game felt like for me. I hope I articulated that right. I think we're all kind of on the same page of just being really happy with that one. It, it feels like we I haven't honestly enjoyed a lot of the wins of the past two years, and I'm really enjoying this one. This is one that I will go back and watch a couple of times because they just they look good, and you love to see that. That is <laughs> That's my expert analysis. Ohio State looked good, and you love to see it. Okay, that's going to wrap it up. I got to get busy. I got to get moving. I want to get this podcast out to you guys. I'm sorry if I missed anything. I'm sure I did a lot. I'm sure I rambled incoherently for stretches there. That's just going to be the kinks of me working out these solo podcasts on these recaps. And the best way to make sure that they sound better is one, to give me feedback. I am at Dubsco on Twitter. Reach me there. Let me know what you think about the show and how I can improve these recap episodes. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Just go there, go to Land Grant Holy Land, leave a comment, leave a review, let me know what you think about the show, and follow along on Spotify. Search Land Grant Holy Land. Every new episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land and every other one of the episodes on the Land Grant Holy Land podcast network will go into your feed there and follow the show on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. That's going to wrap up today's episode. I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend and start to get ready because before you know it, we'll be talking about week three and Ohio State's first road game of the season, that pesky trip to Indiana at noon. So that'll be the next time you guys hear from me. Can't wait to break it down. So stay tuned until then. Thank you all one last time for listening. My name is Colton Denning. This is the Hangout in the Holy Land and go Bucks.